Welcome to the Transformational Truth Podcast, where we're committed to eliminating the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. Hey everybody, welcome to Transformational Truths. This is a special episode. As a matter of fact, this is a solo episode, and I wanted to take some time and share with all of you a topic that is very near and dear to my heart regarding leadership. The transformational truth that we're going to tackle today is leading to achieve something is great, but leading to become someone, that's dangerous. And what I'm talking about today is the two types of leadership development, essentially, that exist today. There is what I call skill development, and there is core development. Typically speaking, the leadership development that we are enamored with, that we are saturated with, that we spend most of our time on, is skill development. And let me be very clear. Skills are important. There is a time for skill development. We need people skills. We need team building, communication skills, conflict resolution skills. Uh, If you're in ministry or you're a communicator, you might need preaching skills, decision-making, time management, organizational skills. All of these things and more are important. But here's what is lacking. There is an extreme gap when it comes to the leader developing his or her core. Core leadership has more to do with the leader's being. Skill leadership has more to do with the leader's doing. And I fear that we have, for the last couple of decades, in some respects, adopted paradigms of leadership that is failing leaders. In fact, many current paradigms of leadership are often isolating, and they only set gifted men and women up to fail. Far too often, here's what I'm seeing, we're leaving leaders over-equipped and underdeveloped. We've unintentionally taught an entire generation of leaders that image is more important than identity, and it's producing spiritual and emotional turmoil. It's leaving countless leaders questioning their own sense of worth and value. And listen to me, you cannot lead effectively this way. You cannot lead other people effectively if you don't know and are convinced of who you are. And I think we've unintentionally taught leaders to tie all of their identity to their activity. So publicly, they feel pressured to pretend like everything's okay, but privately, here's what's happening. They're burning out, they're tapping out, and for many, their marriages are giving out. It's happening all of the time. Publicly, we're wearing masks and we're pretending like everything's okay because these are the paradigms of leadership that we have been told to embrace. We have not modeled healthy paradigms of leadership in many cases, not exclusively, but generally. We've spent years teaching leaders how to do, but not how to simply be. We are are human beings, not human doing. And and we've given leaders skills, but we have not helped them develop their core, okay? And I'll get to what the core is in just a minute. But the result of not helping leaders develop their core is that many of them have all the skills they need to open doors, but they have not developed their being or their core that they need to keep them in the room. 
Okay, you can, you can have all the skills to be impressive on the resume to get you through the door, but if you have not developed the core of who you are as a person, you're not going to stay in that room for very long. So many leaders today have got more skills, they've got more access to resources than they could ever use in a lifetime. Let's be honest. We've got more access today at our fingertips to incredible resources. But secretly, oftentimes, I'm talking to and interviewing leaders who are wrestling with deep-seated brokenness, with a sense of inadequacy that is absolutely wreaking havoc on their ministries, on their careers, and their families. But I truly believe with all my heart that there is a better way. I believe there's a paradigm of life and leadership that can restore joy to the journey. This is something I feel passionate about. This is why I've launched Transformational Truths in the first place. I want to eliminate the obstacles that take the joy out of life and leadership. And I believe that there is a life-giving, life-sustaining paradigm of leadership that will empower leaders to not just finish well, because for years, that's all we talked about. You know, we want to help leaders finish well, and, and we've, we've got to equip leaders to finish well. And I appreciate that. I think that's important. But can I ask you a question? What if we equipped leaders to start well and stay well? Maybe we wouldn't have to spend so much time hoping that they finish well. And this is honestly in part what has, I believe, led me I believe the Lord has led me to launch something called the Leadership Institute for Core Development. It's, it's actually in its beta stage right now. It's actually operating right now. I've got about 20 leaders working through this with me right now. And the, the entire focus of the track is learning how to simply be. Helping leaders develop a healthy paradigm of living and of leadership. I don't want to just see leaders sort of putter across the finish line of life. I do not want to see leaders drag themselves and their pain and their baggage across the finish line. Now, forget that. Listen, we need to help leaders heal from their pain. We need to help leaders offload their baggage. We need to equip leaders with the tools they need to restore the joy to leading, to have an incredible, abundant marriage, to have incredible relationships with their kids and with their friends. We want leaders to do well. Because here's what I think. Most leaders start out leading to accomplish something great, but somewhere along the way, they stop trying to accomplish something and they start leading to become someone. Okay. And, and many current models of leadership are producing leaders that are far more concerned with image than identity. And here's the reality. When we model that, when we teach that, we tell them then what what people perceive about them is more important than who they really are. And we're setting leaders up to failure. We're setting them on this treadmill of striving. Okay? We're setting people on this treadmill of earning and proving themselves in order to be valuable. We, we, we have adopted these models of leadership that says you have to strive, you have to prove something in order to prove that you have value and prove that you have worth. And that is killing leaders. Leaders are sacrificing their marriages and their relationship with their children on the altars of, of ministry or business or career. Because, if, listen, if I live for image, if I live for the opinions of others, and it's never ending, it's this exhausting roller coaster of emotional, mental, and relational purgatory, I will never be able to sustain any level of joy. Beyond moments of affirmation, which are usually, you know, 
up one day, down the next, depending upon how well we feel like we've performed. So developing your core, what does that mean? Well, developing your core as a person starts with your being, and I believe it's four parts. Number one, it's, it's spiritual health. It's how you relate to God. Number two, it is emotional health. It is healing from insecurities and the pain of our past. And listen to me, listen to me. Every single one of us has got to deal with the pain of our past. Core health deals with relational health. Our marriages, if you're married, our singleness, if we're still single, our relationship with our children, if you have kids. It also deals with friendships. You know how many leaders I talk to that don't have someone to talk to? They are isolated. They don't feel like they can have friends because of these paradigms of ministry that we have adopted over the years where we essentially tell people, don't let anybody in. But let me tell you what I've discovered. People relate far more to Clark Kent than to Superman. Every single one of us has a brokenness somewhere in our life. We've all got kryptonite. And the more we take time to share our kryptonite with others, the more we are transparent and honest about our own insecurities, our own brokenness, the more room we create for people to be honest about their own, and now they can heal and they can lead and live forward. The last part of the four parts of what I believe is core development is essentially mindset. Adopting a mindset of abundance, adopting a healthy mindset about life and about ministry. Listen, we've got to figure out how to kill this spirit of competition. We've got to figure out how to kill the spirit of comparison. It is draining good leaders. It is killing good leaders. So I want to take just a few minutes and talk to you about the first attribute of what I believe is the core, and that is your spiritual health. How God relates to you is the first part of this component. You know, I wish somebody would have told me 18 years ago how God re wants to relate to me, how God chooses to relate to me. Because according to the Bible, God chooses to relate to me through the new covenant. There are actually five covenants in Scripture. And when you study the covenants, it's, it's incredible. Because every single one of the first four point to the fifth, the new covenant, the finished work of Christ on the cross. This is how God chooses to relate to me. And I wish somebody would have taught this to me earlier. I, it was, wasn't until about three years ago I was going through my master's program at Richmond Graduate University. I... Uh, God had brought a friend into my life, and I was actually reading my Bible, and, and it was through these three avenues that me personally, God began to reveal the importance of understanding the covenants. I, I read the words and read when Jesus said, this is the covenant in my blood. This is, if you're a pastor or you go to church or you're in church, you understand. You've heard this verse read usually at communion time, and we usually read it and just move on. And don't pause to think, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, what did Jesus just say? He's establishing a new covenant, having fulfilled the old. The author of Hebrews says that the old covenant has become obsolete. We're living now in a covenant that's made up of new and better promises. It is a covenant of grace that was established with the blood of Jesus. I wish someone would have explained this to me earlier. Because if I don't know how God chooses to relate to me, I can never give myself permission to relate to God in a manner that is healthy in a manner that invites his rest into my life, in a manner that, that I can understand. I have nothing to prove to God. I have nothing to earn from God because I am now a son in the kingdom of God. I, I am living in my inheritance right now. I wish someone would have told me that. I think this is the first key of spiritual health, is understanding how God wants to relate to us. 
And the second thing that we need to learn and understand when it comes to our spiritual health is how God now invites us to relate to Him. Because if our picture of God is, you know, He's distant, He's indifferent towards us, He is hard to please, He is disappointed, that He is angry, we will never relate to God with a healthy, healthy paradigm. And that will eventually spill over into the way we relate to our wife or our husband, the way we relate to our children, the way we lead our churches, the way we lead our businesses. The way, listen to me carefully, the way you relate to God will ultimately be the way you demand other people relate to you. Okay, let me say that again. The way you relate to God will ultimately be the way you demand that people relate to you. So how does God invite us to relate to Him? Through the cross. Through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Jesus said, it is finished. I recently heard somebody say, well, Jesus said, it is finished. He was talking about His part, not our part. Well, I agree with that only to the extent of we have ministry to do. We've got to reach people with the gospel message. But when it comes to our salvation, it is finished. When it comes to our acceptability before God, it is finished. God the Father sees us and He sees the righteousness of God within us because of the finished work of Christ on the cross, and He invites us to relate to Him at the moment where the new covenant was established. It was established at the cross when Jesus declared it was finished. The Bible says that in that moment, the veil in the temple was torn. Why? No more boundaries, no more barriers. It's over. We can come boldly to the throne of what? Grace. Because the new covenant is the new covenant of grace and grace alone. Is God hard to please? Well, I mean, He was. He was, but at the cross, he became pleased. And if you put your faith in Christ, then that means right now at this very moment, are you ready for this? You are the righteousness of God. <laughs> Christ lives in you. He abides in you. And you are righteous and you are holy right now. You've got nothing left to prove. Now you are finally free to walk out of your God-given calling and purpose. Incredible. I think the third component, component rather to spiritual health is finally discovering your identity. In Christ, I think there's this incredible temptation today, which we already covered briefly, to place all of our identity and our value and our worth in our activity. But nowhere in Scripture, on this side of the cross, are we exhorted to do so. Our identity is to be firmly established in one place, Jesus. Our identity, the moment we put our faith in Him, is in Christ and Christ alone. If we do not adopt our identity as a Christ-centered identity, Here's the problem. We will always adopt a performance-based identity. And this is one of the primary reasons so many leaders are privately struggling. And they're finding unhealthy ways to cope. They're turning to things that are unhealthy for their marriages. They're turning to things that are unhealthy for their leadership. They're turning to things that are unhealthy for their relationships. Because they know deep down inside that they can never produce enough. They can never perform to perfection enough. Richard Foster wrote in his books, The Six Streams of Christian Tradition, he warns about the, the pitfalls in all six streams. He also highlights all of the incredible kingdom attributes of every stream. One of the streams that he addresses is what would be called the holiness stream, which many of us who are listening to this are, are familiar with. It's the stream that, that I've been brought up in. It's an incredible stream. But there are pitfalls, just like every other stream. The three pitfalls that he highlights are called Pelagianism, which is basically a works righteousness. If I work hard enough, I'll need less favor from God. If I work hard enough, I can earn my own way to God. Uh, the second pitfall is perfectionism, and the third is legalism. 
There is something deep down inside of us that understands we cannot in and of ourselves ever achieve perfect, perfect righteousness. And if I do not understand the new covenant, the finished work of Jesus, I will never be able to place my identity firmly in Christ. I will always adopt a performance-based identity. I will be valuable if I build something valuable. I will be valuable if I had a meaningful Sunday, if you're a pastor or a ministry leader. Okay, these are the faulty mindsets we adopt when we place our identity in anything other than Christ. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. The leaders that I have talked to that are struggling the most, that are struggling with secretly struggling with depression, oppression, they're secretly struggling with these, the sense of I am not enough. They're struggling in their families and their marriages. It's all rooted in their spiritual health. It's all rooted in their inability to simply be accepted in the beloved. To know that the moment you put your faith in Christ, you are accepted in the beloved, not because of your ability to produce righteousness, but because of Jesus's and him giving us his righteousness. Listen to me carefully. You are not what you do. You are what Christ has already done for you. Let me say that again. You are not what you do. You are what Christ has already done for you. I think there's this <clears throat> incredible temptation to wear these invisible masks, you know, the, the mask that says we've got it together, the mask that says we are acceptable, uh, the mask that says I am lovable. Because at the end of the day, every human being needs two things. Whether you are leading your family, whether you're leading your children, whether you're leading a Fortune 500 company, or whether you're leading a local church, listen to me carefully, every single human being on the planet longs for two things. They want to know that they are fully known and that they are fully loved. I cannot be fully loved until I believe I have been fully known. Okay, This creates a horrible paradox because oftentimes we wear a mask of perfection because we want everyone to think we've got it all together. Here's the problem. That mask initially feels like it works, right? Uh, people begin to affirm your mask. People begin to affirm the image that we create. But deep down inside, it begins to produce resentment because here's what we know. They're really not loving us. They're loving our mask. It only makes us more insecure. It only drives those feelings of inferiority deeper and deeper into the recesses of our hearts. It's not until we discover the finished work of Christ upon the cross that, you know what, we can finally take off the mask. Why? Because while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Why? Because he already, he already was looking in our direction before we ever put our faith in him. Listen to me. Because of what Jesus accomplished on the cross, you are fully known and you are fully loved. Your heavenly Father knows your weaknesses. He knows about your failures. He knows about your struggles and you're ready for this. He loves you anyway. And when we get this revelation about how God the Father thinks about us, we can finally find the courage to take off our mask around others. Because we realize that our value as leaders is not tied to our activity. It is tied to a person, and that person is Jesus. So my brokenness does not make me less valuable. My insecurities do not make me less worthwhile. No. My value was determined 2,000 years ago on a cross when Jesus not only died for me, he died as me. He, he became my sin. He took all of my punishment. He took all of the curses of the law so that I could receive all of the blessings of the finished work. You are not what you do. 
You are what Christ has already done for you. You are not. Your value is not determined by your net worth, how much money you make, how large the congregation is that you pastor, how big of a business you've built, how many employees you employ, how many books you've written, how many podcast episodes you've released. You are what Christ has already done for you. You are the righteousness of God, not because of anything you have done or are able to do, but because of what Jesus did. We are saved by grace and by grace alone. The moment we put our faith in Jesus, something incredible happens. We receive the free gift of salvation. So, if we're serious about developing our core, if we're serious about breaking free from this striving model of leadership that's killing great leaders, leaders that should still be in positions of leadership, but they quit, they stop. And can I be honest with you? There's a lot of leaders that are still technically in the position, still holding the title, but inside they've quit. They've stopped. They are strictly in survival mode because someone never came along and told them, hey, guess what? Because of Christ, you're enough. You know, because of Christ, you're fully accepted in the beloved. You've got nothing left to prove. And when you stop leading to prove something and you start leading to accomplish something that is related to your destiny and your God-given purpose, not because you think it's going to make you more valuable, but because you finally discovered your value. This is when you are finally free. Finally free to lead from who you are. Let me ask you a question. Do you know who you are? Do you remember who you are? Have you felt the pressure to change your personality to be acceptable? Have you felt the pressure to pretend to be somebody or something you're not for other people to like you or value you or see you? Listen to me. John Maxwell said this. He said, the greatest thing about my leadership is my authenticity. The reason so many of us struggle to be authentic is because we have bought the lie that for me to be accepted, I need to be what somebody else wants me to be rather than who my creator has called me to be. Until we realize who we are in Christ, until we understand how God chooses to relate to us, how he invites us to relate to him and who we are in Christ, can I tell you something? It is nearly impossible to live authentically. We will always live for the praise and or the opinions of man. And we will never reclaim that sense of joy and peace that we probably experienced when we first got our call. But there is a better way. It's time to turn our attention towards our core. Listen, skills are important, absolutely important. They're vital. But they are not the most important. We need to get back to developing our core. You are not what you do. You are what Christ has already done for you. If you'd like to connect with me, please check out the links that I've included for you in the show notes. And if transformational truths is helpful to you, please do me a favor. Take a moment, go to Apple iTunes, rate the show, and write us a quick review. I want to help you restore the joy to your life and your leadership.